So this is now the fourth sermon, if you're counting, on uh, this chapter of Romans, chapter 15, because uh, even uh, this whole chapter has a, a common theme, each part of it being different enough to warrant the division, but the overall theme of this chapter, and even starting with the closing passage of Romans 14, the, the overall theme is the church, the church, the church. The result is that we have uh, plenty of instruction here on how to be the church that Christ wants us to be uh, the church that the Spirit of Christ is moving us and making us to be. And the most basic message, of course, is that believers belong in the church. It's a message that needs to be preached again and again, especially when our, um, uh, especially for our children um, as they grow up, because which of us doesn't know someone who says, well, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. Uh, lest any of us should regress into such error. Uh, lest our children should grow up going to church, only to forego the church in later life, still counting themselves uh, perhaps to be believers. Well, let Romans 14 and 15 make it clear that Believers in Christ belong to and belong in the church. And yet it's worth pointing out that the Apostle Paul had a a very selfish view of the church, if I can put it that way. We might even say that all of us should have a certain selfish view of the church in the sense that that we all should come here with a personal faith in Christ, and that we should come here looking for a place where we can grow. It's uh, been pointed out before that the church can actually be a very dangerous place. The church can be a dangerous place because the church is, uh, is a place where unbelief can come to hide. Uh, come to church, go through the motions, put some money in the plate, Uh, and maybe no one thinks to check with you uh, where you are in your relationship to Christ. So be selfish uh, insofar as you give focus to your own faith in Christ within the church. But we started out last time noticing that toward the end of his letter, Paul reveals a certain plan, uh, a certain motivation that he has for ministering to the church at Rome. Uh, It wasn't that he didn't love the church at Rome. It wasn't that he didn't want the absolute best for the church at Rome. But he did see the church at Rome as an outpost, as the furthest point from Jerusalem in the spread of the gospel. And so even last time we began to hear Paul revealing his plan his plan to go beyond Rome and to go beyond Rome by using Rome as an outpost, as a stepping stone uh, for the spread of the gospel into all the world. Uh, Did Paul want to use the church at Rome? Yes, but not in a bad way. 
certainly not to abuse the church, but to use, to employ the church at Rome in his plans to further the gospel and to expand the church throughout all the world. Paul's perspective on the church is one that, uh, that we might expect from an apostle. But while we are not apostles, even though we are not even all evangelists, yet we are certainly called to share this perspective, um, to, catch the, to catch the vision, because it wasn't just Paul's vision, but even the vision of Christ. And not just the, the vision of Christ as if our Lord saw what he wanted to do and, 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 and yet was dependent on others to make it happen. The promise of Christ is that he would build his church. And from the very first day of the apostles' ministry, we see that he was doing so. And, and we need to see that Christ is still doing so today. It's our great comfort as we take up the ministry of our Lord today that Christ will build His church. He is building His church. And it is our great privilege to be part of such a global and glorious and guaranteed ministry. So the first point this morning as we continue in Romans 15 is forward to Spain. Those are exciting words, aren't they? Forward to Spain. In verse 22 and following, Paul writes, This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. If you're like me, it's, uh, it's a curious thing, isn't it? Uh, to hear Paul refer to Spain. I mean, that's a, that's a European country. Uh, after all, we, uh, we are Westerners. In this country, of course, we're Midwesterners. But, uh, but continentally speaking, globally speaking, on a broader and, and wider scale, we are Westerners. We are part of, of Western civilization, as they call it. And so we probably think of the land of Israel and, and, and most of the cities where Paul was, even Rome, as being part of the old country. Uh, we might even think of it in a kind of mystical way, <clears throat> like Tolkien's Middle Earth or uh, C.S. Lewis's Narnia. Uh, so again, if, if you're like me, it, it's striking to hear suddenly Paul writing about Spain. Uh, Spain? But that's the Western world. Uh, that's a country that we know of very well today. Well, already in Paul's day, the gospel, you see, was, was spreading far and wide. And, it, and it's interesting to, to chase, uh, to trace the, the history. To start with, Jesus had commanded his disciples to become apostles, sending them, commissioning them uh, in the Great Commission to go on the basis of his authority to go and make disciples of all nations. That's the starting point. And it, it surely wasn't a, a one-time declaration 
because Mark records it in this way, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This was the starting point, if you will. But then we see that the apostles didn't go, uh, at least not right away, so that it took persecution in Jerusalem, and, uh, and it took the apostle Paul, who wasn't one of the twelve, before the gospel began to go forth. And uh, even when it did go forth, it was slow going. It was, uh, it was gradual. And uh, wherever the gospel was preached, um, it didn't result in megachurches. Uh, I, I guess the praise band wasn't quite good enough. Uh, maybe they should have rehearsed more. Uh, instead, the result was small churches, small congregations, even house churches, uh, where those who believed came to worship and to find fellowship on the first day of every week. It's interesting how much evidence there is that God is not in a hurry. Uh, Peter teaches that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day with the Lord. Uh, and that's exactly what we see through, through church history, the, the slow but steady, the slow but sure advance of the gospel. Uh, whenever I see uh, a video of uh, lava flowing from, an, from a volcano, I think of the kingdom of God because, because we can picture the creep of lava from a volcano. You've all seen the videos as well, I'm sure, it's slow. It's it's one foot every hour, and yet it's advancing, and it's setting on fire everything in its path. That's the gospel. That's the kingdom of Christ. And now that the church has has risen and fallen in Europe, and even as the church has risen and seems largely fallen here where we live, so the church is exploding. In Asia, we might want to consider that our, our children, if they remain faithful to Christ throughout their lives, they might end up living in China or in Korea or in one of the other burgeoning nations when it comes to the advance of the gospel and the, and the growth of the church. And we might say, wait, what? China? Isn't, isn't the church persecuted in China? Yeah, it is. But that's where the church is growing as testimony to the truth of our Lord's own words that he will build his church and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the church has now hopped yet another ocean and the gospel continues to spread around the world. We don't know whether Paul ever got to Spain. Most scholars agree that he never did, but it was his vision. And, uh, and it was his vision for the church because it was the vision of Paul's Lord. And if Paul's Lord is our Lord today, then our vision must be the same, to see the gospel go forth, to see the church grow, to see the kingdom come. Again, it's it's not our vision as if we see it on the horizon and, 
just hope against hope that maybe that's actually going to work out. No, it's the it's the vision of a kingdom that is coming, um, whether we want it to or not. Uh, how much of it uh, we will get to see in, in Terre Haute, we don't know. Uh, but it has come, and it is coming, and it will come because the power behind it, the power behind it is the very power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the very power for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for the new birth of sinners, for the establishment of the church, for the spread of the gospel, for the coming of the kingdom, and for the return of Christ in the end. However, notice with me that Paul's vision is both forward to Spain as well as backward to Jerusalem. In verses 25 and 26, he writes, At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. So as much as we might be surprised to hear a reference to Spain, we might also be surprised to hear this reference to Jerusalem. Jerusalem? Isn't that where it all started? And, and shouldn't Paul be looking forward and, and not backward? But the point of the coming of the kingdom is that the church should also be maintained. This is what our Lord himself said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's not preach, preach, and preach. It's preach and teach. Preach and teach. Go and come back. Visit and uh, or revisit and build up what's already there. As much as you see the church established, so work also must be done to see the church maintained and to see the church strengthened. This was Paul's commitment, not just to go to Spain, but to go back to Jerusalem to care for the believers there. This is uh, another, uh, or, or there is another account recorded in Acts 15, verse 36, where Paul said to Barnabas, who was with him in the ministry, he said, let us, let us return and visit uh, the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of, of the Lord and see how they are doing. And so, so we see that Paul was certainly intent on going further and further, getting even to Spain, the Lord willing, but, but not at the expense of the churches that he had already planted. In our own day, this is... Uh, this is a, a, a two-ditches story. Uh, an extreme on one side of the road and an extreme on the other side. There are churches, it may not be us, but there are churches that are, are so insular, so focused on maintaining the church, that there, <clears throat> that there is little, if any, attention given to growing the church. And, uh, and growing the church by preaching the gospel and seeing lots of smelly sinners come to faith in Christ. 
If Jesus delivered the, the, demon, the demon possessed from their demon possession, why should we not pray for and, and expect his miraculous power to come and, and to fall upon the people of Terre Haute? But the, but the formerly demon-possessed need to be possessed by the Holy Spirit instead, and they will be possessed by the Holy Spirit as a, only as the Word of God, the truth of God, the knowledge of God is preached and taught to them and impressed upon them each and every week. So it's really worse than you think. Uh, we, might, we might think, wait, do you mean to say that we need to bring the gospel to the people of Terre Haute, but, but that that's only the start, that we also need to maintain the church as the church grows? Exactly. But our comfort is this, that this is what Jesus is already doing. If we are daunted by the task, good. The more daunted we are, the more dependent we will be through prayer and by hope that we are only doing, we are only being caught up in what Christ is doing and in what Christ is going to do whether we participate in it or not. And here's comfort for parents. Because the point is not that parents need to pack it all up and head to the mission field. Instead, the point is to, is to tell parents that you wake up to your mission every morning. Maybe God is calling you to the, to the mission field, but if He is, he is, he is adding one kingdom purpose to another. Please let us know if you have plans to move to Zimbabwe. We'll, we'll support you. Otherwise, parents know that you, are, that you are doing what God has given you to do that, and know that we are praying for you right where you are because you have not only a great responsibility, you have, you have a great privilege it's just part of the maintenance of the church that so often gets um, belittled simply and yet profoundly. The purpose of the church through the parents who are faithful is to advance the kingdom by maintaining. That's, that's our word here, maintaining the church, teaching our children the gospel and seeking to make of our, of our children, ardent disciples of Jesus Christ. Some churches that I have known have uh, awakened to the call of Christ to preach the gospel to those who have yet to believe. But it would seem too often they do so only to leave off their answer to the call for maintenance ministry, as if that's not worth anything. But try that with your house. Just keep building onto your house without maintaining the house you already have. Pretty soon the whole thing looks quite bad. Because, uh, because we might think it impressive to always be building, yet not maintaining. But the church is called to do both, to build and to maintain. Paul wanted to go to Spain, but he also was very eager to go back to Jerusalem. It can only be because 
Maybe we want to look good as a, as a growing church by numbers, but if we only want to, want to teach, then it can only be because, well, we want to look good in another way. We, we want to have a, a couple dozen members who can recite the, the catechisms accurately. Well, finally, prayer for the gospel ministry. In verse 30, Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable into the, uh, uh, acceptable to the saints. If you ever think our, our prayer request time goes too long, well, I, I think we have a, a good reason for it here. We have a good model uh, as the Apostle Paul asks for prayer. And here again is the reference to Jerusalem. Uh, Paul is no fool. Uh, uh, he knows that going backward, back to Jerusalem, is dangerous to him. Uh, it was dangerous before, and it's dangerous to go back, because even though the church is there, a church to be maintained, a church to be cared for, um, there are also those who oppose the church. Pray for me, says Paul. I intend to go back. I will be returning to the devil's den. And perhaps the word to focus on within Paul's call for prayer is the word strive. Are we striving in prayer? We need to understand prayer, especially prayer for the gospel ministry, as a matter of striving Prayer certainly is a mysterious thing. Uh, and like many mysteries, it's a mystery that becomes all the more mysterious the longer we live and the more we pray. Don't hope to have it all figured out by the, by the time you die. Just keep praying. Um, even strive in your prayer life because to pray for someone is to enter into that person's need and problem. To pray is to join with another brother or sister in their trouble and distress. Maybe, maybe that's why we don't pray. Because we have enough trouble of our own. Let others pray for us. But if in the midst of our trouble we are still alive, if in the midst of our problems we hear the call to pray for others in their trouble, well then let us pray. Because prayer is like faith. Faith is what you do, but by doing it, it's what you don't do. Faith is resting in the work of Christ for you, for your salvation. And in the same way, prayer is what we are called to do, but by doing it, we are we, we, we have a connection to what others are doing, even to what God is doing in this world. Prayer is even a, a connection to the coming of the kingdom of Christ throughout the world as we pray for those who are personally and actively bringing the gospel to distant lands. Strive together says Paul, strive with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, writes Paul. And, and uh, 
He even, as I said, feeds them these prayer requests. Pray for me, he, he writes, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Paul was no masochist. He didn't want to die. He was willing to, to run that risk, to lay down his life as if Christ were to call him to that. But he didn't want to die. So he says, pray for me that I'll be delivered from the people who want to kill me in Judea. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Pray for me, writes Paul, I, uh, that I won't die at the hands of unbelievers. Pray that your fellow believers in Judea uh, would, would, uh, would actually be helped by what I'm uh, seeking to do for them. But then here's the, the further prayer request from Paul. Pray for me. Pray for the believers in Jerusalem, but do so so that God's will may come to you or so that by God's will I may come to you uh, and that joy might be refreshed in your company. The gearbox continues to go forward. Can we hear it? He, he shifts again in a forward direction. Backwards, but always forward. Yes, concern and care for the church that already exists but without any neglect for, for his gospel vision. Onward to Spain. Onward to the whole world. Onward for the salvation of those who need to hear the gospel. Whenever we hear sermons about evangelism, right now we're even engaged in a, a course of study uh, in the Sunday school hour on evangelism, but whenever we hear the call to evangelism, I think it 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 comes as a burden to us. Um, after all, uh, aren't parents busy enough with their kids? Uh, are we not busy enough trying to pay the bills? Uh, what more do you want from me? We might want to ask. Well, nothing more than Christ Himself is doing and is calling you to do with him. Rather than responding with anxiety, why not respond in faith and and with peace? I think this ties in Paul's closing benediction uh, as it comes from his very pastoral heart. A good pastor challenges his congregation. A good pastor uh, is an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd, And he issues the call of Christ himself to go, go, do, be what Christ wants you to be for his glory and for his kingdom. But by all means, may the God of peace be with you. May the God of peace be with you all. If we have the gospel, then let us preach the gospel If we believe in the resurrection, then let us give witness to the resurrection. But if it's a burden to us, then perhaps we haven't understood it. The kingdom is here. It has come. And it is coming. There is work to do. But it's only to respond to what Christ has already done. And to see the work of His resurrection. So look forward with the 
the worldwide spread, or look forward to the worldwide spread of the gospel. Look backward to a, a church that needs to be maintained and pray. Could there be anything more simple than prayer? Paul calls it striving. But how hard can it be to get up each morning and to pray for yourself and for your pastor and for your elders and for the Sunday school teachers and for the missionaries on the field? That today, hearts would be turned to Christ. Starting with our own children, starting with our own hearts, but that around the world, hearts would be turned to Christ. Paul calls it striving to pray. But how hard can that be? To pray each and every day for the coming of a kingdom that is already here and that will come. And we get to be a part of it. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do pray that uh, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will come. On one hand, we're praying for something that is inevitable. It, it is happening. It, it has happened. It, it will come. Help us to see the great privilege that we have to be engaged in this work, in this project, in this coming of a kingdom that in the end will will have no end and that will go on forever. Help us to see what a what a privilege and what a blessing it is to be caught up in your kingdom work. Bless us with this perspective and with this faith. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.